Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. What's up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. Recording late today, but we appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, June 17th, the annual check the phone, because I don't have a watch on today, edition of the Rebel Report. Um, big show to get into today. I guess we got some old Miss hypotheticals uh, to like get you through the dead season. We have the Lakers traded their entire team, and I think uniform colors for Anthony Davis. Um... U.S. Open, State played a pretty wild game last night. What's up, man? Not much, not much. Uh, it's, it's been a good weekend. The uh, Lakers are now the favorite to win the NBA title somehow. I don't know that happened in like 24 hours. Yes, yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts on that. We will, uh, we will get into that. Uh, we're recording late because I was driving back from Jackson. I went home this weekend, saw some friends, played golf with the old man twice. It was a pretty solid weekend. Did, okay. like, very laid back. I have a question. How do you gauge like like home now? Like is is home Oxford or is home Jackson? Okay, so like, well, when I say home, like I'm just going to see my parents. So I guess it's not right. technically my home anymore because like, I mean, I, I lived in Jackson like seven years now, which sounds weird to say, but like, it's it's been a minute. So like, I guess it's not really going home. Like I'm not the freshman kid trying to get out of the dorm for a weekend anymore. Like that, that I guess that's not even really home. I mean, hell. My parents moved houses this past summer. I flew in for Cincinnati for my granddad's funeral, and the Uber driver, I remember, was like, uh, so you're going home? And I was like, yeah, but you're going to have to put it in a GPS. I have no idea where I'm going. I've never seen it. So it's uh, it's not. I guess it's not home anymore. So you had never seen the house like before? No, so they moved. So like I, I'd been up in Oxford. I hadn't gone to Jackson a long time before that. I moved to Ohio in May, and I guess they moved like – they sold the house really quickly, or bought the house really quickly and moved in fairly quickly. So this happened in, like, June. So when I was home in July, like, I had no idea where I was going. Like, I was going completely blind. I knew the neighborhood, kind of, and that was literally it. <laughs> That's great. It's like, oh, I guess my parents live here now. Oh, yeah, I got, like, to the part, and I was like, because it's, like, the, the thing is gated. And so I got there, and I was like, oh, shit, there's a gate code. Like, I had to call, like, my dad, like, while we were in the, like, while I was waiting in the Uber. Like, hey, like, what's the gate code to my house? <laughs> I guess it's not my house. I guess that's kind of the whole point of this. But, yeah, so I went home. Played some golf, saw some friends. Watched the state game last night at a buddy's house. Um, that was really interesting. I got some thoughts on that. I know you watched that. That was uh, that just kind of happened like very quickly. Yeah, that was. That just like it's all of a sudden like I was halfway paying attention. Like we were drinking a beer or two. Like they had cooked some food. Like and all of a sudden I look up in the ninth and like Burns is in and then Auburn just kind of peed down their leg. Like it was that yeah. that was weird. Um, yeah, that was bad by Julian. Yeah, that was that was not great. That was not great. Just tag the guy, like just reach over and tag him. So we'll get into that too. Where do you want to start? I, I guess we could start with the what we had planned, which is usually very little for this show. Well, um, well Caleb Hill left. I, we should probably touch on that because that was not expected. Um. Yeah. So that's a good. We'll start there. We'll get into the uh, all hypotheticals we had or best worst case scenario. We'll get into the states, uh, some state Auburn stuff, and then of course I have a lot of thoughts in the AD thing. So. Should we uh, touch Mike Clement too. Uh, yeah, what offered the A and M gig that was reported yeah. by rivals Chase? That was yeah, I believe Chase was the first one, so, or maybe the only one. Uh, so yeah, I mean this is assistant baseball coach. Um, yeah. um, 
So Caleb Hill's leaving. Um, so that piece I put out on Thursday night about him being the Sunday guy in the rotation, maybe just like that on fire. Uh, that did not age well. But in my defense, I had, like I don't think anyone had heard any rumblings of this. Like this kind of came out of nowhere. No one was expecting this. Um, I don't still exactly know what happened. I'll be completely honest. But he is transferring to Crowder Community College. Uh, that is a big blow for old Mrs. Pitching Staff next year. They're still okay. Like, there's still enough there. But that was, one, not expected, and two, that was a big blow. Yeah, yeah. And that was a guy they certainly thought they could develop. And for whatever reason, he, he's going to the junior college route now. I, you know, nobody knows really kind of what happened. And, and like you said, it came, a, it came about sort of a shock. Like, I got the text message on, on Saturday that he had tweeted. He was, like, going to, uh, where I don't know, some community crowd. Crowder, isn't it in Missouri? Isn't that where Jacob Adams came from? Yeah, it's where Jacob Adams came from. We're not sure where it was at. Um, We're going to say Missouri because no one would ever check us on that. You just say some yeah. community colleges in like Missouri and Iowa and you're set. Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Kansas. <laughs> Last chance you, yeah. you know, ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously we're would probably factored in on a big role for Ole Miss next year and I uh, obviously decided to leave the program after, look, you know, I know he wasn't happy with playing time back in about April or so, and maybe that played into it or, or something, but it was uh, it's certainly a big loss. But it's funny you say that. I'm not doubting whatever you heard that from or anything like that, but his playing time then increased after that. Like, he was a lefty matchup guy at the end. Like, he was in some decent spots. Yeah, yeah, that was... That was towards the end of April, I was, I was or maybe the middle of April, that uh, I'd heard he was upset with playing time, and then you know, he, he finally gets, you know, some opportunities. He pitched in the SEC tournament. I think he yeah, he pitched in the Super Regional. Granted, it was in a blowout. Uh, he pitched against Mississippi State and Tennessee and, and, you know, I guess games that were competitive at the time that he came in. Obviously, the game he pitched against Georgia was, was competitive. So, you know, he got to get some more playing time. But, you know, I wonder if it was just a situation where he, uh, you know, maybe wants to go pro after next year. And he's going to obviously get guaranteed innings at uh, Crowder Community College. Whereas it's Ole Miss, I'm not saying he, he didn't want to fight for playing time, but obviously the innings weren't assured at, at you know, Ole Miss. And you can't else. guarantee at this point, but I, I, I'm i in the same boat. It's like, that wasn't going to be a problem. Like, and let, barring some kind of regression or him just not improving command-wise at all, he was going to pitch and pitch a lot. Yeah, I, and I don't disagree. Um, I just, you know, they're guaranteed at Crowder. And if, and maybe, if, I don't know this, but maybe he just kind of wanted to go pro after next year. A lot of, a lot of guys do that. So maybe that's the thing, too. Yeah, so that's a big blow. So that, like, okay, I got a weird theory here. That inversely, because of, like, the lack of other options and depth, that weirdly makes Gunnar Hoagland's presumptive improvement even more important. Like, he can't run out 2019 Gunnar Hoagland again. That's going to be an issue for them. Yeah, well, I agree on one hand. Um, on the other, if Houston Roth comes back, it, it kind of lessens that blow, and that's Rob, true, but say, let's say for right now, for the sake of the argument, he's not. Let's just because that's kind of how I frame that story too. And I'm not saying we have to like like debate the entire thing in that, but just from that standpoint, if Roth is not back, that's a even more significant blow. I do oh, agree it, that he could kind of band aid that if he came back. If Hoagland or if Roth doesn't come back, Hoagland has to be the Friday night guy, right? Unless you're just willing to move McKenzie off of Saturdays, which I think we both agree they don't want to do that. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying they won't do it. But they I don't, don't think they want to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, they saw that thing with that, that story with Christian Trent, really. Yeah, definitely. What he went undefeated that year. Ole Miss went to Omaha in fourteen, and he wasn't bad the next year. And that was a bad team around him. But he wasn't the same 
pitcher because you're right. facing a lot more top level arm talent, a lot of guys with better stuff. Like your margin for error is thinner when your counterpart on Friday night is probably a pro. Better chance yeah. than not. I mean, unless I mean, unless you're facing like the Sam Finnerties of the world at Alabama or something like that. Well, I mean, you just think about Friday night arms in this league. I mean, Tanner Burns, John Doxicus, Ethan Small, Cole Henry. So yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of Isaiah lot Campbell. Guys. Yeah. Fellows. Now, you're going to run into the occasional Sycamore pitching on Saturday, even though he's Missouri's best pitcher, or Vanderbilt, you know, is going to have a Kumar Rocker on Saturday. But, like, aside from that, the, the point stands. Yeah. And so, but, yeah, you know, back on Hill, I mean, he was a guy that, at the very least, was probably going to be Ole Miss's midweek guy next year. And, you know, now you got to replace that from somewhere. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just, I think if he had improved, like, what you presume a guy from year one and year two would, I think they would just need him too badly on weekends for him yeah. to be in the midweek. Like it was, it's a big loss. So Roth decision that makes that even more paramount. That'll be interesting to watch play out. Um, we're supposed to have. We're gonna. I think we're gonna eventually have like a end of the year media opportunity with Mike or the couple players. I don't know how that works. I'm just saying it hasn't happened yet, and we usually have one. And so. Uh, I'm sure that'll be this week sometime. I don't know. It hasn't been announced. So maybe we'll get more clarity on that in the next coming days. Yeah. Because I just sure don't really know what else to add to it right now. Because I couldn't get a straight yeah. answer on what it was. Like, yeah. So, mean, nobody really knows. Um, So next, let's go hypothetical. So it is officially list and hypothetical season. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast over the next couple of months, you're like, yo, why are these two assholes like ranking couch cushions? The answer is because it's July. Because it's Because there's not a whole lot going on. So we, we went to this. I can break down a depth chart of Ole Miss receivers like once, and that's going to be about it. So. Let's go three deep on linebackers and how their lateral agility, agility is really just going to affect the team this season. Let's yeah, get into the we weeds of that, that in July. That's if, great if podcast that, content. If, if we did that, the people that listen to our uh, podcast would be the following, our moms. Yeah, and like, there's always foot like, there's always a handful of like geeked out football guys that like, like I, you honestly, I'm I'm convinced that some of those people that hang on every single commitment and hang on every single player, like I admire the dedication to your team, but I swear on my life, somebody could just be like, yeah, you hear about this, you know, ninth grader they got committed, he ran a three six forty, and people would run with it, no questions asked. <laughs> like, like, there's no way all of those times in t- testing for high school like. Like freshmen in high school, like sophomore in high school kids are accurate. I, I don't know how long do you think some of them like height and weight on colleges are completely accurate sometimes because guys fluctuate in weight. So yeah, that's my rant on that. Fair enough, fair enough. So, so it's, it's mid season. So where are we starting? So this is the game we we're going to play. And I texted you this last night. Wor- best and worst case scenarios, Ole Miss. Let's just throw some stuff on the wall and see if it sticks. And it's not okay. win or loss. Like I'm not saying bet worst case scenario two and ten, best case scenario seven and five. It's not as simple as that. Like it could literally be like, you know, offensive line injuries. You know, corral I, I, anything. So, do you want to go first or me? Yeah, I'll go first with worst case scenario. Um, worst case scenario is that Matt Corral is not very good, and that the offensive line doesn't adjust quickly enough and this offense can get nothing off the ground, and the uh, the defense is as porous as it was last year, which I don't think that's possible. So is um, that like a, is that like five and one? Like the, the, the kicker is corralled does not improve, and like the offense doesn't score points is essentially what you're right. trying to say. Yeah, uh, I mean, because that's the weird dynamic is this defense is not going to be – like they'll be better because they have a better coaching staff, 
But the offense is still going to be like I think that's what's being undersold here. The offense is still going to have to produce at a ridiculous level for them to win games. Right, and and what happens if this offensive line can't pass block and Corral's not very good? Like, how, what does that look like? And then what happens if? Can you read me if you have their schedule pulled up? Is there any possible way they drop one of the other two non-conference or the other non-conference game? Who's the other? Oh, it's Sela and New Mexico State. No, so okay. You don't want to do them. a five-minute segment being like why the Aggies could really? No, they can't lose those those teams. So, why the Aggies could beat Ole Miss in late no, in early November? It is not the Aggies you think. Oh, uh, worst case scenario is uh, two and ten. Uh, I, I mean. I don't think that's likely. I'd put a 5% chance on that, but that's worst-case scenario, right? Oh, it's in play. Um, So you took the first one of mine, or kind of touched on it. My thing was that the offensive line was ravaged. The offensive line gets the injury bug. Um, Because we've talked about this with the roster, obviously they're losing a lot. I wrote something a while back after I figured it up, and it's like they're losing 135 starts. I don't quote me on that completely because I don't remember. I really don't remember what I wrote, but it was in the game notes. Like it's 120 to 130 range combined starts. That's a lot, but at the same time, the offensive line deal this year is not like, oh gosh, who's gonna like other than like left tackle, which I think like don't you think it's probably Givens? So, other than like them, you know, not having a first-round pick at left tackle for the first time in a half decade, it's not like the front-line dudes. It's the depth. Like Ole Miss has been eight, nine deep for a couple years with older guys or younger guys or talented guys. Like they had a nice mix for a long time. To where an injury doesn't kill you because you're throwing in a Jordan Sims or a Bolden or a Patterson or a guy that can play a couple positions. Depth is the issue here, and so like, you know, you lose a Ben Brown and a Givens for a game, like, that's when it starts to get hairy because it's like a bunch of dudes that have, like, paid their time, I guess, like Bryce Matthews, Royce Newman. Like, it kind of feels like their turn, but those guys were not, like, those guys you could rely on last year in short stretches to get you through a game or two. I don't see that on the roster this year. Yeah, It's a depth thing. So if they get hurt by injuries on the offensive line, they're in big trouble. Yeah, that's completely fair because, you know, you remember the uh, 2012 team where they started the same five guys that I, on the offensive line every single game. Um, they got extremely lucky, and, and frankly, they didn't have a clue what they would have done if, if those guys weren't able to go. So, you know, it's kind of that situation again where you, you've got you know, about five or six guys, and you better hope they work, and you better hope they stay healthy because there's not a ton behind them. Here's a, a random hypothetical in my head, and this is partly because Matt Luke's a former offensive line guy. If you looked at Matt Luke and said, you will start all five offensive linemen that you put out the first day, or your best five. Your best five get to start all 12 games, but Ely has to redshirt. What does he do? He, he, I think he redshirts Ely. I think he would, too, because like, if you've got a guarantee that all five guys are playing – that's huge for the offense because that's really what this thing hinges upon because I think there's ways, even if Corral's not what people think yet as a passer, there's ways because he showed the, in short spurts the willingness to be a runner and Rich Rod can mask that because of like the way the offense is done. Like They could run a lot and they could find yeah. different ways to, if he's not great as a passer, they could still get production. So the offensive line is where this whole thing hinges. If they're okay and they stay healthy and they block okay, the offense will probably be okay. Like, you got some drop off at receiver, but you got some really interesting skill pieces. But man, if you're down three starters heading into like Tuscaloosa in early October, oh buddy, that's a bad example because that game is not going to matter. But like you get my when they get into the teeth of that October swing and they're down three starters, that's that's going to be an issue. 
Well, just hear me out. If they're down three offensive line uh, players going into Tuscaloosa, just don't go. Just oh, yeah, I guess you don't technically have to go. That's what I do. Just call it in. No, we're good. Thanks. So <laughs> that was my first one is injury trouble on the offensive line. Like, you're not going to start the same five guys. That was almost – I mean, that's an anomaly. But the point being is, like, it, it's it's a ravaging thing. Like, if they go three – they have three guys down at any given time – the depth isn't there like it's been in years past. Like that that's gonna be an issue and it's gonna show. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, you know, and that that's pretty much what this whole season hinges on. I mean, the offensive line to me is the difference between like three three wins and six wins, really. Um, so and I, I there's I've reserved the right to be very wrong about this because I think it's been very like the last two quarterback changes have been very interesting. If Corral like, I don't want to go back-to-back injuries here, but my other one is if Corral has to miss time, like, there's not really a backup like you've had in years past. There's no Shea Patterson to your Chad Kelly or Jordan Tamu, who you didn't really know what to expect at the time, turned out to be pretty good. Like, definitely a hell. In terms of a backup, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's there this year because there are none of these kids that play college football. Like, no, I mean, you don't have the Juco guy that's transferred in. That's which was what Tamu was. Like, at least he's older in literally, if nothing else, years if it's not experienced. That's not there. Yeah, and, you know, he was here. And I guess to uh, Dent and, and Tisdale's credit, they were there for the spring, so they'll probably know the playbook at least. But, yeah, I mean, God forbid Corral, you know, break a pinky or something and, and have to miss some time because uh, he does that. And, oh, boy, <laughs> you're in a mess. Uh. Oh yeah, that would uh, that that would not be great. So that's that's another disaster scenario. Did you have another one? Um, no. I, that, that, to me, it's weird because I think everything hinges on the offensive line. Because I think the defense, to an extent, just kind of is what it is, right? Yeah, but it's gonna be. I hate trying to like like I, I'm not trying to like sell you on this when I say it's gonna be better, but like it can't it can't possibly be any worse. And they got. A little more talent. Like, I mean, Sam Williams is going to be a good player. They got. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to benefit from the three-four thing, moving some guys like a Kadir Shepard to like the outside linebacker role. I think that's going to fit a couple of those guys better. Um, and you have some young linebackers with some promise. Like, so it's going to be better, but it's still not going to be good. And so, yeah, I do think in that sense it is what it is. Like, I think any like level of production beyond like you know, a baseline expectation for the defense, I think now that's a bonus. I don't think you can have any expectation, really. I mean, no, I, like, I don't think the, the what was, was it Kent State or Southern Illinois where it was 38-35 at halftime and you're like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, it was Southern Illinois. I don't think that happens. You don't think they put up 35 and a half? You don't think C-Law does? Look, man, if if you had, but you laugh, if you if you had told me before the game last year, like, I knew that defense was rough, but, like, they kind of held their own in some ways against Texas Tech. Like, if you told me uh, Southern Illinois is going to throw up 38 in the first half, I wouldn't believe that. I wouldn't buy that. Whoever it was, Kent State, I wouldn't believe that. Oh, my God. But it yeah. happened. It most certainly happened. So you laugh. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Like they're gonna like the teams that they're more talented than because they're better coached then they're gonna kind of do what they're supposed to do. I'm just not sure how many teams they're more talented than. That's really the problem. It's probably not many on the defensive side. Uh, no. I mean, there's not gonna be a ton that your defense is more talented than their offense. Maybe Vanderbilt and maybe Arkansas, but I think that'd be the list, right? Yeah. Um, Cal maybe. I don't. Cal was kind of a failure on offense last year, but their defense is very good. Weren't they pretty young though? They were, yeah. Um, best case scenario, 
Um, eight, eight and four is best case, right? Just from a record. Yeah, I just will start with record. I mean, look, I'm not projecting this, but like, no. if 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 lightning struck, there is there are eight teams on the schedule that's capable of beating beat. Like you're, let, let's just go down it down. Like you're not beating Alabama. That's not happening. Uh, well, Four zero nine conference. You start there to get to eight wins. It's four zero nine conference. Right. Okay. That's a better way to frame it. You go four zero in the non conference. You beat Vanderbilt. You beat Missouri. Auburn quits on the field. Yeah, and then you like find a way to beat A and M or State on the oh, road. No, I mean, it's really not. It's not that like you beat Arkansas at home. You beat Vanderbilt. Auburn quits on the field. You beat them, and you win in Starkville. Like to me, that's so four zero non conference, and your four conference wins are Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and then you crack two upsets. Yeah. Is basically yeah, how that's framed. I don't think that's yeah. happening, but that is best case scenario. After that, my best case scenario is that like Corral actually turns into this like dual threat guy to a degree. Like I think he showed it, it was in such a small spurt, so you can't gauge off of it. But he kind of showed like a willingness to run in the four games he had last year. Like he looked better than I thought he would as a runner. I didn't know how he would look. So I, I like best case scenario is he fits Rodriguez's system better than people think. Yeah, and well, I think my best case scenario would be that Jerry and Ely like isn't isn't gonna have the freshman transformation process. Like he just comes in and, and is really really good his freshman year. Because if he does that, I think this offense got a chance, especially if the offensive line plays well. So yeah, so Ely complete impact like 150 yard two touchdown game guy to where like you're asking the question like should they defer less to Phillips because of how good this kid is? Like that's a best case scenario, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's immediate impact. You find him ways to get the football, you know, 24 times a game. What is the best-case scenario from the defensive side? Like, can you even – like, like I'm trying me, not to be facetious, but, like, like you have three games where opponents score in the 20s? Like, three consequential games? Like, three – take out C-Law in New Mexico State. There's right. three games where you kind of hold your own, like Arkansas's in the 20s. Wow. Vanderbilt be better tough. be in the 20s. If Vanderbilt scores 30 points on you, you you, you got a whole world of issues. Like, well, like, I'm just trying to sit here and think, what's the last SEC team they held under 30? Um, ooh, that's a really good question. I got it up right here. It wouldn't take too long. So I think it was Georgia 16. Well, no, State, State, State uh, in 17. They got Matt Luke's job. But that doesn't really count. Yeah, because that's without Fitzgerald. We'll, hell, we'll go through it. Last year, Alabama was their first SEC game. They scored 62. That is not under 30. LSU scored 45. That is not under 30. Holy shit, they scored 70 points on ULM. I forgot about that. Arkansas scored 33. That was not under 30. Auburn scored 31. That was not under 30. South Carolina, what was left of them, scored 48. That was not under 30. <laughs> Texas A&M scored 38 in a game where you thought the defense played pretty well, if you remember that. You kind of blame that on the offense sucking because they were on the field so much. I'll give them a pass there, but that's still not under 30. Vanderbilt scored 36 and State scored 35. Um, so 2017. Oh my God! This is this is actually kind of fascinating. Alabama scored sixty six. That's not under thirty. Auburn scored forty four in one half. Basically, they did not play the second half of that game. The reps covered that game. Never forget. Ole Miss beat Vanderbilt by three touchdowns in a game where Vanderbilt scored thirty five. That's not under thirty. LSU scored forty. Arkansas scored thirty eight. Kentucky they won the game and they scored thirty. Kentucky scored thirty four. They almost did it against A and M. They lost thirty one twenty four and. Texas A&M obviously scored 31, and you're right, State scored 28. I don't think it happened in 16. No, they held Georgia, because remember, they beat Georgia. Uh, they beat the brakes off of Georgia, but it only happened 
It happened twice in seven, in sixteen. A and M scored twenty nine. Oh, okay. And Georgia yeah, that. That's right. Ole Miss won thirty to one to twenty nine. Thirty to twenty nine. Oh my God! So they've held three SEC opponents under thirty points in the last three football seasons. So a better way to phrase it is that they have not held an SEC opponent under twenty-eight points since twenty fifteen. If that happens twice, like I'm looking at you, Vanderbilt, and I'm looking at you, Arkansas, that's a hell of a year, right? Yeah, where else I might be looking? It's startable. Oh yeah, because state there's there's a chance that state's offense is a disaster. I'll give you that. Um. But is there really a world where they allow three of their five, three of their eight SEC games to opponents score under thirty? I know that's a low bar, but I, I, you, I I'm not buying that ticket. Like if that's a bet, no, because I mean you could also factor in like does the offense help you out at all? Right, because right. There's a chance the offense is not very good and like leaves you on the field or turns it over inside your thirty. And I don't like the college football yardages are so skewed now, like. Like I don't know what to do. That like is it is it kind of the same thing? Like is it a success if they have three SEC games where the opponent doesn't have five hundred yards? Yeah. It, it, Let's go four fifty. I did, well, no see I can't even I can't justify that. Well, it's hard because I mean you look at yards for the last few years and you're like, well they gave up six hundred yards. Yeah, but Longo's offense was on the field eight seconds, so it was, it was hard. Yeah, so I don't really know how to frame that. So I'd rather do it on points than yardage. Is if. Yeah. Is there a possibility they have three SEC games of consequence where they hold the opponent under 450 yards? Yes. I okay. don't. That's a 100%. If you say yes, that's a best-case scenario, obviously. Yeah. Nobody's yeah, going to be mad about that. Like, yeah, Vanderbilt. Like, let's say, okay, so Arkansas is week two. Let's say the quarterback there is, is not, you know, up to speed. Um, Vanderbilt's got a chance to be putrid on offense. If you tell me Mississippi State doesn't find a quarterback, yeah, there's a chance, but I'm not betting it. And I guess if they're improved against the run, like that's where the start, like Joe right? Burrow's not going to throw for 400 yards against you. If he does, <laughs> I will, I will, I will go hand up. I missed that one. Um, but no, the running back might run for. Yeah, the problem is, is LSU just is going to do what they've done the last five years or four years at least, and and just you know, bludgeon you over the head on the ground. They're going to line up and be like, I know this team can't stop us running. So that's why I don't necessarily see that. So, yeah, it's three. It's probably three. Deontay Anderson still planted in the ground in, in uh, Death Valley. Is he still playing college football? Is he like Houston? I don't know, but half his body remains in Death Valley. Yeah, I led with that game because that was the game for, in 17. That was the game for Net. Literally, what was it, six carries for 254 and three scores in the third quarter. He was averaging like 45 yards a rush in the third quarter. But I led with – because that was the crucial moment of the game is when he posterized Anderson. Not crucial moment, but that was kind of like reflective of everything. And I led with that in my story, and people got really pissed about that. Yeah. People got very angry that I like led with the uh, with Fournette just pummeling over Anderson. There wasn't even anything having to do with the kid. I was like, look, that was that was a perfect representation of how that game went. Like, sorry about it. it was. Yeah. Whew. So that was, that was measurable. Um. I don't know, no, like, I'm not going to say I'm ignorant personnel-wise. I don't know enough about what the defense looks like to do a lot of individual best-case okay. scenarios for the defense. Because I want to see how it looks first. Right, and I'm with you. I do think this secondary has got a chance to be okay. You are replacing decent people. I agree. I mean, yeah. Mike Mack's uh, specialty is, is the secondary. You know, I think Jalen Jones is going to come back okay, and I thought he was pretty good in you know, his one game last year. 
but I think he's a pretty good player. I, I just think they've got a chance to be okay back there. That's fine. You're replacing Moore and Webster and who else? Woods. Woods. Who... Honestly, for what they had, uh, like elsewhere, he wasn't bad. Um, no, that Woods was better than he gets credit for. Yeah, so there is a chance they're going to need that to be okay, though. Like this, because if, if they can't stop the run and the secondary is a disaster, oh, buddy. But I agree. I think the secondary has. There's oh, enough there where the secondary could be okay, and is Plumlee in the secondary at at some point in the season? Probably. I'd say yes. If you're making me gun to my head, say yes or no. I'm saying yes. I yeah, talked to a couple people about that too. I think that's possible. I think it's yeah. a more. Wait, I'll put that. That's way more than possible. They, uh, the kid's not going to want to come in and sit on the bench. I do know that. He's not going to do the uh, Buchanan clipboard. That's not a shot at Buchanan. I love Ryan Buchanan. We went to school yeah, together. But like, it's great. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, to his credit, knew what he was. He was just there, and he was going. He was going to play when they asked him to, and that was going to be it. So I've actually talked to him a couple times. Like I don't think he was ever going to win that job because Chad Kelly turned out to be Chad Kelly, but that was closer than a lot of people remember. It was. It was neck and neck heading very close to the opener. Like, like I think there's some revisionist history where that Kelly came in and blew like the doors off of Kincaid and Buchanan. That wasn't the case. That was neck well, and neck particularly with Buchanan for a while. I think, yeah, Kincaid wasn't really ever in that. Um, but I think what happened was Freeze made, like, Freeze, Kelly was going to have to be so much better than than Ryan because so Buchanan was the every semblance of stability, and Kelly was such a loose cannon. Like, yeah, exactly. I think Kelly had to be so so much better than Ryan that that Ryan kept it close enough to say, "Look, if this guy's, you know, he's been here for three years, he's never been arrested, he's not a bad like that." That's what gets lost. Ryan Buchanan was not a bad quarterback. He would have been fine if like he does. He go ten and two or whatever. Kelly went no, but does almost go like four and eight with him. No, they, they win. He got replaced by a level guy. Like Kelly yeah. was a dude, and like, like bar any other, like I, I, there's probably only if you actually, I'm not going to go back and look at the transfer market or whatever it was that year. But there's only like two dudes, three dudes, I would imagine that come in and take the job from Ryan, and he was one of them. Yeah, like uh, I mean, look, that team goes seven and five or eight and four with, with Buchanan under center, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. And then like he never got experience either. So that's our. Uh, that's our Ryan Buchanan stand today. I don't think he listens to this podcast, but I might text him and tell him I, I had his back today after taking a shot at his clipboard. Um, so that's all, that's all I've got for best worst case scenario. You got anything else? That's all I've got. Uh, uh, oh me, Ron, shortest lived history. Ron Buchanan, uh, a, a quarterback for Ole Miss, or Thomas Dillard at leadoff hitter. Dillard at leadoff hitter. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I went around the uh, numbers with Dillard at, at the leadoff hitter today, and he had like 400 and had a 1,300 OPS over like 13 games. That was fun. And it was a move that should have been made in March, but that's no, neither here nor there. Honestly, I'll give him credit. As, as with, with Mike Bianco's philosophy on baseball, the fact that he did it at all, he deserves some credit for it. I guess. March is an interesting way to say February, though. Um. Yeah, that's – anyway, that's another day. Um. So what else we got after this? Uh, I don't know. You said you, you text me something about uh, the, the five most annoying things at the bar, which I let's save that for Wednesday because I need to refine that a little bit. Because <laughs> I, I can't just go like puke in the urinal guy and like like try to balance list okay. with that. We got to refine that more. It's like maybe like out in public. What? Can I get my top one though? Let's hold it for Wednesday. I think that's because I think that's a good Wednesday segment. Plus the AD trade happened. We got the U.S. Open. Like. Oh, okay. Keep yeah, it yeah, keep yeah. it cocked and loaded because we are doing it. I just want to do it Wednesday because I need to put more thought into it. 
Okay. I, right. I looked at my list. Was like, I hate this roster. I need more. Need more asshole moves to pull at the bar. Like, I, I, I don't have it ready yet. So we'll hold that. Trust me. It, it, there's plenty of time this summer for it. We'll go on it on Wednesday. Um, Anthony Davis is a Los Angeles Laker. Uh huh. That is correct. That is factual. So, according to Woj, and it happened on Saturday afternoon. It did. It like did. I don't understand. I like that. They gave up. So I was listening to one of my favorite NBA podcasts, and I've mentioned this like six times in this podcast, is Bill Simmons and Russillo do a once-a-week thing off the uh, Bill Simmons' Ringer podcast. They're both dudes that aren't like reporters, so they can't like hide stuff, but they're well-connected, and they're smart, and they're obsessed with the NBA. So I listened to a lot of them. So I kind of agreed with mo- some of their thoughts on it, and I kind of had this thought on my own. They gave up more than you've ever given up for any single player ever but there was no other bidder. Like, who else was getting Anthony Davis, realistically? Uh, Boston, but that was kind of it. I don't think that was going to happen, though. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Because there I'm was this, like, like there, because if, if, because Anthony Davis didn't want to go there. Like, he always wanted, like, the rumblings were L.A. Like, even New York could have possibly been a one-year rental. And I don't think while well, Boston was going to sit tight and lose Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis a year later. Like, that just was, that would have not been great. Um, no, so they gave up Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Julius Randle? Yeah, that was... Was yeah. Josh Hart in there, wait, too? No, no. Wait, say that again? Wait, so it's it's Lonzo Ball. Yes. It's... Brandon Ingram. And Josh Hart? Yes, Josh Hart, and then, like, three first-round picks? So it wasn't Randle. No, Randle was already gone. He was traded last year. Oh, yeah, so see, see, former Lakers, current Lakers, that's got me confused. That was the trade, plus three picks, right? So it's the it's the fourth round, it's the fourth overall pick this year. It's a first-round pick in 2021, another one in 22 that could, like, roll. Like, I think it's three picks here, right? And then it's a pick swap. So it's three first-round draft picks, and one of those is a swap to where, like, in 2024, whatever it is, is is like they're just switching positions. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, it it is. But man, you're the favorite to win the NBA title now. So it is. You had to do it if you're the Lakers because you've had such a disastrous thing, and that's the only top level free agent that you were probably going to get with LeBron. But why did you have to pay that much? Like, why couldn't you have looked back at da- uh, David Griffin, who's now he wasn't there for most of the AD stuff because it was Dell Demps, the fired GM. Now, why would you not look at that and be like? Really, with Zion's first year when you're trying to market that, you really want this to be the whole AD thing? Because AD wasn't going to suit up next year, I don't think, and play. That, that was kind of my thing as a Lakers fan. Like, why not? Why I mean, would look, you I have to give all that up? You have to do it, but why give up that much? Well, do you have to? Why not just, look, I know you got screwed with Paul George. I get it. Why can't you just wait a year and sign him in a year because you were going to sign him, right? So much pressure on LeBron. Like, they've had such a bad, like, nine months as a franchise and you could really go beyond that and it's been so publicly embarrassing and humiliating I think you had to do it now so I'm not necessarily knocking them for doing it now I get your point but I just think with with LeBron James and the way that it unfolded like next year like you're saying wait a year I think to everyone inside that organization that may as well have been 2030 like that felt like such a long way off that they had to do something now I guess man that you you've kind of Risked your your franchise after eight. But that's now. what LeBron does, right? He did this to Cleveland. 
He doesn't give a damn about like draft picks. Like, like them being bankrupt for the next literally like six, seven years. He doesn't care. He's not going to be in the league. What if God forbid he doesn't resign with LA? What's well, a four-year deal though? Do what? He signed a four-year deal. Oh, he did. I, 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 I was, See, I, that was I, the big thing that this, this marriage was going to like. This was either going to result in them being good or a trade. So he's a four-year guy, and like after that, he's in year like twenty twenty-one. So like. Okay. This is it for him, I think. Barring a trade, this is LeBron's last deal. No, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, AD. Oh, 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 oh. I kind of like that. So it, there's a year, like, like it goes, like this, because they, they're not, they have to add more. Like, I don't, I don't think they can win the title with just them two. I don't either. They gotta be smart with like the last like 25 million they have in cap space or whatever, and like get decent dudes. But to your point, what if it's not enough? What if it sucks in 2020 or 2021, he's like, or I guess it would be next year because he's got this yep. last year and then he'd re-up. What if he's like, actually, Durant's healthy. Uh, I'm going to go back across the country, Chief. <laughs> what if he's just like, I'm, I'm going to go back to Noah because they got all the, all the players now. I don't see it. I, it's not impossible, but I don't see it. Because I think he wants to be in Los Angeles. Look, because even when LeBron's done, they're getting it. That's the one thing you ask why they paid so much for this because I do think it was too much, but – all things considered, even if you have no draft picks, if LeBron tankers like tankers off and he's out of the league, at least you're getting Anthony Davis for his prime. Like you have that. You don't have anything else, but you have that bar none. Yeah, and you can build around that at some point. But there's nothing to build with. That's kind of my point. Uh, I guess you could find somebody though. So they got to win this deal in the next two years for this to be a success. They have to win the title in this year, next year, because after that, LeBron's now 20 years in. Do you think KD? Uh, you know, missing next year played into this? Yeah, I think that screwed up the New York thing. I think yeah. New York, like, once KD went down, poor New York, like, I know they're terribly run, but those fans, honestly, like, they can't catch a break. I'd probably have to jump off. Because <laughs> Kevin Durant getting hurt in the finals screwed them more so than anyone else. It might have screwed them more than the Warriors. Because the Warriors, when, like, Clay comes back at the end of next year, like, in 20, I keep getting my years mixed up, two years from now, the Warriors can reinvent themselves and be okay. The Knicks, if they don't get... I still think, like, you, now you're having to sign an injured Durant and you're not getting AD. Like, you talk about that injury. Who got hurt the worst? Isn't it the Knicks? Like, they got screwed out all that and they didn't even play. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. So, uh, and, you know, obviously they don't get the uh, pickings on. But, man, it's a tough for Knicks So now we're in this weird era where the Warriors are decimated by injuries. They're not really the favorite. If you tell me next year that Clay Thompson comes back in like March or April and they kind of get in as a sixth seed and then just wrecks wreck everything in the playoffs, like that's not inconceivable. But you're the general consensus is they're kind of out next year. They're in a one year stall. So there's like twelve teams that could win the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because if you're if you're not going to say they can win it, then that opens up a whole new can of worms for my. The Lakers could. For the argument, I mean, you can. They are the betting favorite, right? Sure, now but what happens if Denver gets somebody? Like if Denver gets like Tobias Harris, they're one move away from going over the top. Kind of the same thing with Utah. Kawhi could still go to the Clippers. Like I don't really Kawhi know what. He'll go to the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they don't have the money. They have twenty-three million dollars. He's not coming. Like this took it up. You don't. You don't think they could offer enough to? To get in there, they only have twenty. Like it's twenty-three to twenty-five million dollars. They don't have another max slot. 
Okay. Plus, I don't think okay. Kawhi, I don't think Kawhi's been ever interested. So it's it's Clippers or Toronto, I think, for him. Okay. Um, could you get a Jimmy Butler or a Kemba Walker? Kemba more realistic than Jimmy. Um, so yeah, you could do that. I could see that. You're just not getting Kawhi Leonard at like twenty three million a year. Like he's going to want thirty plus. He's the most hot, like he's the most value, like now with Davis off the board and like Durant in LA, like he's the he's it, like he's the most valued commodity. So you have that, like you could make an argument that that Philly should have beaten Toronto, and Philly could have gotten to the finals. Yeah. So they're still there. I don't know how they look next year because I don't think you bring everyone back. Like didn't Jimmy Butler opted out? You have Giannis who. Probably should have. Like, it was honestly kind of a choke, not a choke job, but, like, they were up 2-0, and that series looked over. You have, so that's, like, seven teams right there. If, like, Kimba Walker or, like, D'Angelo Russell, like, if Utah makes a move at them, like, there's at least possible because the West is wide open. And then Houston. No one's even talking about Houston. They're talking about them blowing it up. Why would you blow it up now? You Now you have to make a run, one more run at it, don't you? Because the Warriors are down, so why would you not? So the general consensus in this is, by league pass, the NBA is awesome. If you don't like it, I don't understand you. Because <laughs> it's going to be awesome next year. It is wide open for the first time in a long time. So that was 10 minutes NBA talk. If you hate the NBA, I'm sorry. I, I like it. We're going to talk about it some. Um, I found that to be fascinating. This summer is going to be wild. Um, Brooks Kepka did not win a major. Some cat named Gary Woodland did. Yeah. Next on first take, I'm going to tell you why Brooks Kepka doesn't have the clutch gene. Um. So, so honestly, you're going to have to forgive me here. Who did win? Gary Woodland, and he's a guy that he's been a, like he's a top. He's he's been a, he's piddled around as a top 50 player for a while. Like he's not some out there scrub. He's a good player. He's played in World Golf Championships. Like he gets exemptions. He's a good player. Um. And truthfully, I didn't watch a ton of it because I I went and ate I went and ate di- or grilled out with a buddy that I didn't honestly I hadn't seen them in a while because uh, I hadn't gone to Jackson much and so they wanted to watch the state game and I'm not going to be like hey guy like flip it over to the U.S. Open like these are all state people they wanted to watch the state game so I'm not doing that so I didn't get to watch a ton of it I followed along I got bits and pieces my takeaway is good for Gary Woodland um, two they tore up Pebble Beach more than I thought like the winner at 13 under I would have bet way under that. Um, and honestly, it's still the most impressive part of this is Kepka. He finished second. Like, this run of contention is insanity. I don't think people realize how hard it is to contend in golf tournaments for, like, a three-month stretch, much less this two-year thing he's got going on. And major championships are a whole different story. He finished second place again. He contended at another major. Yeah. This run is yeah. ridiculous. Like, you don't even have to – I don't feel like you don't even have to know or like golf to understand how ridiculously impressive and how hard that is. To, to what He won, like – Two last year, he won the... Uh, He'd won, won four one. of the last eight and then just finished second. He was three shots away from winning three straight U.S. Opens. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the hardest tournament on earth to win because they beat you over the head with the golf course. It's a huge field. Like, it's the hardest tournament to win, and he almost won three straight. <laughs> oh, so Brooks is doing well. He's doing fine. And I'm, like, I know you're not that big into golf, but he's turned this 180 to where he's like... To hell with this guy, he ruins golf tournaments because he's so damn boring. Says he hates golf and like no one knows who he is. I kind of like him now. He's got this like FU attitude. He's kind of like, 
He's kind of got the Brady thing going on, where he's not really disrespected, but he likes to act like it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm all for it. So he was kind of like baseball's Trout? Basically. But, like, I think Trout just gets shortchanged by some people, like the outsiders. Like, I think that's a little different, but it's similar. Like, but he's more like Brady to where Brady's never actually disrespected, but he, like, he has to be motivated by acting as if he is, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's certain. Like, he, he implants a uh, fake chip on his shoulder. Like, he, he got left off the U.S. Open, like, Fox's promo for it. Like, they showed a bunch of players, and, like, it was one of those hype videos, and he wasn't on it, which, one, uh, some producer probably got fired, right? Like, you probably don't survive that. Two, yeah. it doesn't really matter, but he was able to use that as fuel. He said it bothered him. And I'm all for it, man. Whatever motivates you, like, do it. I don't care. Like, and I, just, I like him now. And he, he's, he, did you, I don't know if you caught this earlier in the week. You know, the U.S. Open's the one term of the year where guys love to complain about the golf course, it being too right. hard, the rough being too thick, because they do bludgeon you over the head with the course. This is the one where it's like guy versus golf course more so than guy versus the field a lot of times. He was just like, hit it on the green. He said, hit it in the fairway. He said, hit it in the fairway. You don't complain. If you hit the ball where you're supposed to, and I was like, honestly, this guy kicks ass. Like, I love that. Because I I hate it when pros, they're the best players in the world, and they complain about, you know, making a few doubles and the rough being too tall and the course being too long. You're the best athletes in the world. You bomb it to where 500-yard par fours are now like a normal thing. Like, you can't complain about that. And he was like, yeah, hit it where you're supposed to. I love it. He's, He's... he simultaneously ascended as to like one of the best golfers in the world and become more likable in the process. That's not easy to do. I like Kepka. I'm I'm buying Brooks Kepka Scott. He's awesome. And I used to not think that. Literally a year ago I didn't think that. When he won the US Open last year in the PGA and kept Tiger from contending, I was like, This guy sucks. I would like to apologize to him. He does not suck. I like him. So what's the next major? The British? British. And then you're done because you already had the uh PGA. Right. So it's the British, and now it's over. Speaking of uh, horrible field conditions, they got to do something about Omaha because this is becoming unwatchable. What do you mean? The, the, the Wait, that's last... a good transition. We're done with golf talk. I want to talk about the state game. I had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I just I watched three games this weekend, and the ball is not moving at TD Ameritrade. The wind howled, and it is ridiculous that they play in, in that yeah in that environment to uh, to settle a national title. But somebody hit a home run last night, right? Yeah, I mean, Julian hit one. But, but to your point, normal balls are not getting out. Like, you have to poke it to get it out. Yeah, you got to crush it. I think Julian's was the only home run. No, Austin Martin hit two for Vandy. But still, I mean, all these games, like there was four runs in the Vandy-Louisville game. There was one run in the uh, Florida State-Arkansas. Like, ugh, these, these games are – and it's been like this for a while. It's not just this year. It was that way when Ole Miss was up there in 14. The wind just howls in off the river, and I don't know what they're going to do to fix it. But it's getting in the way. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to push back on this at all. I agree, because you're playing an entirely different game offensively. And really, it has an inverse effect on pitching, too, than you've played the entire year. Yeah. I, no, mean, I, I completely gotta... agree. But I saw Teddy Cahill, who I like. Nice dude, and I think he's good at his job. But I saw him saying that like you shouldn't complain about the ballpark. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that. Well, these guys are – look, here's the thing. These outfielders are playing so shallow, you can't really hit singles either because they know you can't hit it over their head, really. I have noticed that, too, because you the guy off the bat, and it's easier to notice watching on television, I feel like, than being at the game in terms of the single thing, because you hit a line drive, and you're like, oh, that's a base hit, and it just hangs up, and the guy's caught. And it's not really because it hung up. It's exactly what you said. It's because the dudes are playing shallow. Yeah. I don't know. This, this, it's getting ridiculous. What do you do, though? Like, I'm asked, what do you do? Uh, the only thing you can do is bring the fences in, but... 
you're not bringing the fences isn't going to fix it unless you bring them in an absurd amount. Because I mean, these balls aren't even getting the warning track a lot of the time. And it's a, but it's also a minor league part too, so you bring it in temporarily, no, it's right? No, no, it's not. They don't play minor league ball there. I thought there was an Omaha team that played there. They don't play in that stadium. Are you positive about that? I can look this up. Hundred, yeah, you can look it up. I'm a hundred percent positive. Oh, then yeah. I don't. Okay, then I'll take your word for it. Then I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Why not move it in? I thought that was part of the hangup. No. I, so what is the argument against it? I don't understand this. This well, this I mean, completely changed the whole thing to me. Well, to, the the thing is, you have to bring them in an absurd amount. Like you would have to bring them in twenty five feet for it, for it to fix the problem. Why is that that hard? I'm, I know I'm not a construction guy. Like hand up, oh, don't know what the hell I'm doing. Do but like, why is that hard? Why is that hard? Well, it's not hard to do that. But now you're three hundred down the line. You know, I mean. But is it really three hundred down the line with the way the wind blows and the way the park's set no, up? No, not. But I don't even know if that's. NCAA certified to be 300 down the line. I'm not sure how if they have certifiable like distances, but it's it's getting ridiculous. I did notice it was. I didn't watch a ton of college baseball this weekend. I was playing golf with my dad twice. Um, he kicked my ass and took my money. That was not cool. Um, <laughs> but point being, I didn't get to watch as much college baseball as I wanted. I made it a point to watch the state game because the people I was with they were grilling. They wanted to watch it. I had interest. I wanted to watch it too, but like that was the only one where I made it at appointment television. Um, so it's I, I agree they need to do something about it for the time being. They did play a game that had like what nine runs in it. Yeah, yeah, but you know there were five going into the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, no, no, I'm not discrediting your point. I'm just segue here. Like that was a wild game. That yeah, was wild. Well, yeah, if how do you bring in Burns if he can't throw off speed? So I missed that. So. They're putting in or whatever, and like I, I admit, the, towards the end, I was halfway paying attention. We were talking a lot, like they were paying attention to the game. Like we were talking, we were you know, you know, eating food, like cutting up, having a good time. I look up and Burns is in. I yeah. don't hate that move because he well, looked no, okay in relief, but Burns doesn't start anymore. So no, he, I know, I know, because Butch said after the regional that he couldn't do it. He he would be available in relief. Which yeah. we talked about this on this podcast. We were kind of like, what does that really mean? Because if you're hurt. Why can you pitch relief but not start? I know there's some difference, but like I remember us not necessarily buying that. But to Butch's credit, it's held true. Well, I mean, he started him in the uh, game three in Chapel Hill, but he only pitched two innings, so he's on a strict pitch count. My issue is if he's going to be your closer, you can't at least let him go throw fastballs. That's not going to work. Right. No, no, I agree with that. I mean, you've seen that with Parker Cracy, and Parker Cracy's got a better fastball. Yeah. Something else has to be there. You can live no. off it to some degree, but if there's literally nothing else there, you can't do it. Now, so, to his credit, if Edward Julian just tags the guy, uh, it does work. Yeah, so, so that's where I want to get into. So, one, to Auburn's credit, they hit small, and I know the home run was after the home run, the two run home run was after an error, right? So they were both unearned? Oh, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Maybe they were. But, point being, Ethan Small had been. Absolutely dominant, lights out for most of the season, but really I'll frame it in the last two months where he had almost been untouchable. Like he yeah. was almost a guaranteed W. He had been awesome. Yeah. And to Auburn's credit, I know they only had like six hits in the game, but like however you do it, two, three runs off small is more than most teams are getting. So yeah. it got to be like I kept thinking like they scored, like they hit the two run home run. I was like, whatever, it's early. That I'm pretty sure that came off an error because I stepped outside, but the guy that one of the guys there told me it was off an error. Like, 2 nothing. whatever. He made a mistake. He should have been out of the inning, if that's the case. Like, whatever. I kept waiting for State to come back, and then it got to 3-0, and then 3-1. And I was like, 
oh, Auburn might actually do this. Like, yeah. like I was watching it for seven, like the first seven innings being like, when's State going to do it? They're like toying. To borrow a reference that Chase Parham used for Kumar Rocker and Vanderbilt the other night, State was playing with its food. Like, it's like, when are they going to come in for the kill shot? <laughs> it took them to two outs in the ninth inning. And it got later and later. And then, of course, even in the ninth inning, I was like, so they're done. And, yes, it was it lucky? Yes. But McNamee still had a hell of a net bat and hit a huge double. And all that guy does is – so I know you were, we're not getting into the clutch debate today. We'll save that for another podcast because I know you texted me about that for a show. But all that guy does is produce in big at-bats. I'm not using that as a clutch thing, but, like, like yes, State got a little lucky, but that was a huge at-bat and a huge double. Sure, yeah. And, but he got up 2-0 and, and Burns had to groove a fastball. And, and the kid's a good hitter. And, you know, he had to who's the ball down the line and gets the guy in. And, you know, what's crazy is if McNamee or if Jordan just tags McNamee, he looks like a goat today. And instead, you know, Jordan does. Yeah, Do that, that's true. Do that is true. Um, So, okay, sidebar here quick. How does Mac, I know McNamee's a senior. How does he go completely undrafted? <sighs> he, he got hurt. So he didn't play a lot towards the end. But it wasn't a serious deal. No, I it was a I mean, foot thing, right? He got hurt against Ole Miss. I remember him yeah, coming out. I'm just trying to provide reasons. I have no clue. So I you mean, don't agree with it? You think it's no. you, you think it's as mystifying as I do? Like I, that yeah. was interesting. How does that kid go completely undrafted? Like like he hit 300 in an SEC uniform and on a team that's playing in the College World Series. I, I really don't understand how no SEC or how no team you know decided he was good enough. That's what I'm saying. Like I understand like guys, yeah, right-handed bat, no position, whatever. Like like. Take him, take a flyer on him. Day three in the thirtieth round, where you're just running through names. But the fact that he goes completely undrafted was honestly that's like that's that's not that's not smart. Like someone needs to take a flyer on him. He's a good obviously, player. Obviously, it wasn't an Olympic situation where you obviously told people you don't want to play anymore. Yeah, because I remember him. He was saying he was he was like he didn't really want to get into it, but he definitely conceded that it bothered him. And why wouldn't it? Like certainly yeah. justified. Yeah, it bothered me. So we got off on a tangent there. So. Sum up what happened in the ninth inning after that go. Uh, the After the McNamee double? Yeah, so it's what, 4-2 at that point? Yeah, it's 4-2 at that point with an out because uh, he caved, I think, Foscue when he came in the game. Which and was a big strikeout. Ball. Yeah, they hit a ground ball to Holland. Holland gets it, makes a terrible throw to first, but Woolley scoops it up. McNamee has to stay at second because obviously the ball's hit short. And then they hit the ground ball to Julian, and uh, my man... What, what do you say, quadruple pumped it? That's what I made the joke last night. That was when they kept showing the replay. He took, like, four steps. He, like, four <laughs> shuffle steps. It was a quadruple pump, wasn't it? Well, okay, look, this sounds absolutely stupid, but once you quadruple pump, like, just hold it because you're, there's no way you're making that throw at that I point. completely agree. I could not agree more. Because once you've done that, you're sailing the throw. And, and so... Let the guy be on third, or what you could have done was, I don't know, tag the guy running by. So what was funny was we were on a stream, and we were behind at the house I was watching at. We had it streamed on a computer. A buddy, one of my best friends in the world who's a huge Ole Miss fan, like it's like he texted me and said, are you effing kidding me? And I was like, yeah, that, that, that was essentially me. Yeah, it was like something <laughs> happened here. Like obviously, and it was so wild watching it because I hated. I kind of, I kind of felt bad. Like my buddy Cooper, the, like I'm watching this with a bunch of people who are actively rooting for state, and I was like, "Hey, I think something happened," and they were like, "Damn it, we're behind." And like I don't think it really ruined it because we didn't know what happened, but it was weird watching it because it's like routine ground ball, fields it cleanly, like 
Like, in my mind, in live action, I'm going, what the hell happens? And then, of course, <laughs> he threw it into the right field seating or whatever, they, wherever the hell the ball went. Like, something definitely happened. And, like, you feel for the kid. Like, that sucks because the game should have been over. Yes, it was fortunate luck by State. But for State to hang around and put the ball in play and take advantage of it, they have to have credit for that, too. Like, sure. there's a certain amount of resiliency and resolve. Like, both things can be true at once. Yes, Auburn peed down its leg. Yes, Auburn choked. But, like, State took advantage of every other opportunity in that inning to make sure it hurt. Yeah, and, and they deserve credit for that. So it sets up a big game for them with uh, Kumar Rocker on Tuesday night. So what's the, kid that, uh, what's the kid that hit it up the middle with the game ended on? I don't know. I turned it off. Um, so he hits up the middle, I don't, but you saw the play, right? Like I'm, I, my whole thing was like that was another softly hit ball, but it was well placed to where I'm not sure even if the pitcher doesn't deflect it, they do anything with it. I think State wins the game anyway. I think he hit it up the middle and like that was it. Yeah, uh, I can't remember who was up, but uh, yeah, it was uh, State puts up four, and and now they've really got because you know the other bracket is, is two three seats on the winners bracket. So right, and so so you got. So that was what I was telling my buddy last night. I was like, that was huge for Mississippi State because, one, it's almost impossible to win. It's not completely, but it's almost impossible to win that tournament if you lose the first game. Yeah. So that's one where, like, if you're a viewer just wanting great baseball, like, it helped out because Auburn was kind of a lame-ish duck team anyway. Like, don't have the horses. Burns, not Burns. They're a game away from being in the winner's bracket, and then – State, conversely, is a team that you believe can win the whole thing, but if they lose that game, they're not winning the whole thing. Like, that was a huge, huge swing in that whole tournament. If you're State and you lose that game, you've got to win four games in a row and six out of seven to win the national title. You're probably not doing that. Yeah, exactly. And they're really good, but that's hard. You can't, that's really hard to do. So that was huge. They're not not deep enough on the mound to do that either. So, yeah, it was. and to be fair, I think I don't think State like yeah, there's no difference in, in losing the first or second game. Like they have to win again. You got to go two and zero. But now, yeah. so they're starting. So I just saw as we're recording this, uh, my esteemed colleague who is in uh, Omaha said they're starting Plumley against Rocker and not right. again. Is that surprising? What does that tell you? Again's not available. But so was Lamonis blowing smoke when he gave the po- positive report after the super? What did he, he say after the Super? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read that. exactly what it was, but they were like basically that he's fine. Okay. That doesn't I seem mean, fine. No, okay. yeah, no, I'm with you. We're saying the same thing. That doesn't seem fine. Yeah, I mean. Because why are you not throwing your first-round pick who went healthy shoved for two months against the probably the best pitcher in the country right now, Kumar Rocker? Yeah, he'd get the ball for me if he was fine. Like, you're not starting pl- – but – he did have some. Haydad was making a case that Plumley should get the ball in game two of the Super, like regardless because of Gen's inconsistencies. But look, I, I wanted to touch on this anyway. This is the last thing we'll do, and we'll wrap it up. Gen, I think Gen was inconsistent because of his elbow thing. Like you don't shove for a month and a half and then all of a sudden become inconsistent out of the blue. Like I think he was sho- shoving and not shoving anymore because of the elbow. I think that played a factor. And, yes, the timing publicly and maybe when the injury flared up didn't happen, but I don't think something was right before that. Do you agree? Well, no. I mean, like, he had a start against Tennessee where he goes one inning and has to come out of the game. Like, he, he hasn't been, I guess, right is the uh, term for a while. Uh, because when he's right, he, you don't hit him. So... Um, you know, the, the kid throws a 95-mile-hour fastball and it sinks. So he's not really hittable when, when things are going right. So 
So yeah, I mean, to me, it's he it's, didn't just struggle. He struggled because something wasn't right. That's what I'm I, getting at. He's not gonna struggle because he like again, he throws the ball 95 miles per hour and it sinks. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he's not gonna get hit. Um, so if he I, if he's good to go, I, I don't really understand. Look, Chris Lamonis is obviously a really good baseball coach, and, and Scott Foxhall has done a tremendous job with his pitchers. I do not understand the rationale behind not throwing him if he's right. Right. No, that, that's the only case scenario here that he's not. I completely agree. There's no other case, right? I mean, the, the only other case is that, and, and, and I don't agree with this, but I can make this case. Plumley throws more strikes, and that might help in that park. I guess he's a senior. That's I know crazy. Arkansas on the other side, and I don't want to count out what the height like the. And we could get more into this on Wednesday. I don't want to count out the seemingly superhuman run that FSU is on. But this game almost feels like a prelude to the national title. Like whoever whoever wins this state Vanderbilt game, like it's them versus everyone else at that point. Um, I don't know the, the Florida State team. Like, you know, you look at Michigan to me, and, and I don't want to delve too far in this, but you look at Michigan, you're like, oh, they're hot. Man, I look at Florida State, and I'm like, oh, those dudes are good. Well, like, Teddy I, Cahill, I listened to something he said on our radio show. He picked them to win the national title um, preseason. Like, they were a talented group that I just don't think clicked. Like, I agree. It's not some happy-go-lucky Michigan run. I agree. FSU's good. Yeah, they're going to throw a kid out there tonight that throws 98 miles an hour. <laughs> so... Yeah, they played like crap for a month and a half, and they figured it out because they're really good. So, so is it a three-horse race now? On like, is it? Mm-hmm. But you can't count on Arkansas. I guess it's four horses. My I point being, say, I, I'm not counting Arkansas out of this thing yet either. No, no, no. Okay, so I, I think we're I think we're getting away from what I was like actually like originally trying to say. So like, I don't mean these two guys are head and shoulders above Florida State and Arkansas. I think they are a little bit. I think State and Vanderbilt are a little bit above Arkansas and. Definitely, little slightly more than a little bit above FSU. My point being, is like it feels like someone's just getting eaten by the process here by losing this game, because it's going to be a tough road for him. You just said the same thing. You got to win two games. You got to go two and zero. So it feels like I, I whoever agree. wins, it's the favorite to win the whole thing. Is all I'm okay. saying. I, what, what I said though was Mississippi State's got to go two and zero. I think Vandy's got enough arms that they could figure out a way to make it interesting, even if they got beat. Certainly fair. No, no, I, I see exactly what you're saying. That's fair. If there's a team that can go through the loser's bracket, it's the team with 25 scholarship that craps out kids <laughs> that throw 95. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, Not the team with 11.8 within the normal scholarship rules? It, it is. As someone tweeted at me the other day, it is inspirational how they get this many prospects on 11.8 scholarship. Oh, my. Oh, they, they were being facetious, right? Yes, yes, they were. So uh, those guys I was watching with last night, like obviously, like you could be a very big college baseball fan and not understand that dynamic. Once I explained that to him, I think his mind was kind of blown. He's like, "What do you mean they get double scholarships?" I was like, "Yeah, these these dudes aren't underdogs. Like, play hard, state, go beat those plucky groups of nerds." <laughs> oh God, yeah, rooting. If you're, it's a it's a mind pickle for an Ole Miss fan because you know most Ole Miss fans hate Vanderbilt because they. Uh, you know, have 38 scholarships, and the other team is Mississippi State. So it's kind of a mind pretzel for them. It quite, it really is. Um, so we can get into some work. I like the college. Like I've, I've, I didn't really like unless the team I was covering or had an interest in was in it. Like I didn't watch a ton of college World Series. So about three or four years ago, I like it. It's fun. There's a lot of storylines. So we can get more into that on Wednesday because you're gonna kind of have a better idea of what all this is after the second game, second round of games. Yep. Yep. So that's about all I got. We went an hour. 
that's pretty yeah, damn good for the it. summer, man. And that didn't feel forced. Like that that was the easy hour. Yep. It just just flowed right through it. Exactly why I'm saving our list for Wednesday. So that number one thing you got going, just let that fester, let that sit and fire <laughs> that bullet on Wednesday. Sounds good. You got anything else? That's it. Yep, I think we're good. So we'll be back at it on Wednesday. Uh, I got a couple of nice compliments from state people that listen to this podcast. Um, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate everyone that listens. Um, so we we threw you a little bone there. We did some state from two guys that don't cover state. Tell, tell the uh, people to rate and subscribe. Bro. Yes, rate and subscribe as those in the industry say. We're growing. Our numbers are staying consistent even in the dead season. We're going to keep trying to entertain you. Thanks for listening. I am having fun with this. I didn't know what to expect with the podcast. Honestly, when they were like, hey, you have to start a podcast, I was like, I really don't want to do this. I like it. We can talk about Ole Miss. We can talk about whatever the hell else we want to talk about. I'm enjoying it. It's different than radio. It's more laid back. So, Same here. Um, yeah, keep liking and subscribing, as those in the industry say. Like and subscribe. Cause I, so I noticed now if you subscribe, when it goes up on iTunes, like it, you get a notification. So that's pretty that's sweet. So, yeah. yeah, you get to listen to us talk, and you'll know exactly when it's public. What could be better in life? So, oh, it. yeah, that's my sell job. We got some cool stuff coming. Um, so that's it. We'll be back at it Wednesday. Come hang out with us again. Uh, for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey, and we will see you again on Wednesday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.